Aguinaldo! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Uh, it was working for me at about two in the morning last night. I couldn't sleep. I just could not fall asleep last night. So yeah, it was it was in full. Your doomsday I, clock was working for I, you. I just I could. I mean, Macy had a fun basketball game. Right. I was kind of juiced up, and then trying to figure out like a uh, senior trip because Haley really didn't have one because of COVID. Sure. And so. She's coming home, and I'm like, where are we going to go? And I'm just starting on the internet, and it's just hours, and then I can't sleep. I mean, I couldn't sleep. It's 2 in the morning. I yeah. had to pop two melatonin and some M&Ms. Wow. So M&Ms? I'm, yeah. Yeah, I mixed some You thought M&Ms chocolate would help you sleep? <laughs> you know, just at that, at that point, I'm like, it's doomsday, Mike. Okay. These are doomsday you, hours. You understand chocolate does the opposite. It's like I caffeinated, understand. right? Yeah, I guess so. All right, just yep. checking. Uh-huh. Anyway, doomsday clock, uh, you know, changes constantly, right? All the external factors in the world change it in, in terms of how close we we are to uh, doomsday to the to to Armageddon mm. and actually it moved just a couple of weeks ago it moved a little bit closer it's 90 yep. seconds from midnight right now but my Geno Smith meter I think is sort of like the doomsday clock like it's constantly in flux yes. given all of the outside factors and information that we're able to take in and yesterday might be a huge mm. difference maker to the Geno clock and it might mean nothing but Dave Canales is moving on. He is their quarterback coach. Not something we generally talk that much about. But he and Gino sure seem to have a pretty good relationship based on uh, his Twitter account, which is basically like an ode to Gino Smith. I mean, it reads like, you know, the stalker in seven or something. I mean, it's like, you know, it's one of those boards that's just like all about Gino. If he's going to Tampa and they've got a whole of quarterback, does that mean Gino's likely to follow him? <sighs> Well, I'll tell you this, uh, other than Dave Canales' wife, who I know, and kids, and in-laws and family, the next in line of most excited for Dave Canales news yesterday was one Geno Smith. I mean, you know that he had to be doing some significant fist bumps. Yes. Because the guy that he was tied at the hip with, when he has his career year, goes and interviews in multiple places, by the way, interviewed twice, was on the second time with the Baltimore Ravens. We talked about that earlier this week. Ultimately gets the gig in Tampa. Wasn't one of the guys that, that was at the very top of the list, but just wowed Todd Bowles in the interview to the point that they hire him. Uh, and Tampa Bay, by the way, uh, needs a quarterback and needs one badly. Tom Brady is out. They've got nobody with any experience in. And if you're Geno Smith and you're his agent, yesterday was hallelujah, the opposite of doomsday. Mm. Because whether you want to go there or not, you've got now a little bit more leverage. Leverage. Yeah, and and you know what else he's happy about? That he ended up in Tampa, not in Baltimore. Because Baltimore was not going to really give him much leverage if they're going to end up keeping Lamar Jackson. Correct. Tampa doesn't have a quarterback. So the fact that he ends up there rather than in Baltimore is a huge deal for him. And Geno's from, let's see, Geno's from, that's right. Florida. Florida. Yes. Yes, sir. Do you know that I, it, it was only two years ago that I figured out Florida was, was, yeah, two years ago. Is that sad or what? I don't know what to tell you about that. It's not, <laughs> it's not, I wouldn't admit that publicly. I, well, I just did. Ben yeah. Hartsock's like, oh, yeah, man. So I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Florida. Oh, okay. Well, that's where he's from. And I think that's where he does a lot of his training. 
And do I think that Geno Smith would mind going back down to South Florida? Obviously to Tampa, not Miami, but nope, I, I do not. Is he going to use this at every turn in his agent right now? Absolutely. Do they have a need now? The only positive is Tampa's got no cap space. I mean, I think they're one of the teams that is over, over Mm -hmm. cap space. So when you're talking about just how much are they going to be willing, now Tom Brady comes off the books, there's going to be some. They can always move things around. And how much does Dave Canales want Gino? How much is he going to go to bat for him? Right? How much is he going to say, hey, listen, Todd, I'll do this, and I've got relationship with Gino, and this is a package deal. You want me? He's coming. So years and years and years ago, I had a QB coach by the name of Mike Shepard uh, when I was drafted to the Seahawks. There are a couple years. Shep gets the coordinator job in Buffalo. And I thought, okay, you know, they traded for Matt. Asked about, here we go. You know, here's my opportunity. Not not like I was a free agent, but I was going into the final year of my deal. And, and this is going to be a good deal. And, you know, I talked to Shep and thought, okay, this could be, we could be going to Buffalo. Thought this was a possibility. Ultimately, it didn't work out. They had the same things and veterans and, and other constraints. And, and ultimately, I stayed in Seattle, got traded to Indy the next year. But this is what happens. You know, they usually, especially when you've been someplace as Dave has for how many years with Pete? All of them? <laughs> yeah, I think so. All 13 yeah. and before at USC. And this is your big break. And you've been a receiver coach. And you've been a QB coach. And you've done everything. And now I get to call the plays. Yeah, I think he's going to push pretty darn hard to bring Geno to Tampa. Now, the other option here, though, is if he they really don't have a lot of cap space, there's another quarterback who he's got a pretty good relationship with and is seen up close and personal, who's not going to have in the trains, same market. Who lives in trains in Jupiter, Florida during the offseason. Is that true, uh-huh. Drew Locke? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so, so I, as I said, I don't want to make this hot take. Oh, Dave Canales is gone and so is Geno. Not a hot take. Not saying that. Dave Canales is gone and Gino has more leverage? Yes. Yep. Dave Canales yep. is gone and Gino could potentially follow him? Yes, absolutely. Dave Canales is gone and Drew Locke is going to be heading to Tampa with him? Yeah, that's yep. a possibility as well. But certainly, yep. you know, as I said, if, if yesterday I was at 55% on Gino coming back, this probably drops it by 10 percentage points. Right down mm-hmm. to 45, somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. because Jeez, he's now got been... another real viable option. Gosh, he's just been bouncy. Well, bouncy, yeah, bouncy. The, each time we take in new information, the clock moves a little yes. bit. That's how it works. Yep. <laughs> and you just love the people on Twitter, like, stop it. You know, just stop. He's staying. Russell's not getting traded. Enough with the noise. <laughs> Enough. It's, uh, well, it is a weird thing open. to keep to keep arguing, isn't it? Oh, the media is just making this stuff up again. Like, well, right. I mean, Russ ended up getting traded. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know that you can say that. I don't know what's going to happen with Geno Smith. It's just certainly a possibility he sticks around here. But this idea of like, oh, of course he's coming back. Like, I don't buy that at all. Just be careful with any absolutes ever right. in the NFL. And, and, and just open your eyes to, like, what's going on with the QB market and what's happening all around. And as Andrew Brandt said to us earlier this week, this is as crazy a QB market as he has ever seen, and he's been at it for decades, and that's not hyperbole. When you've got Aaron Rodgers, right, and you've got Derek Carr, and you've got Geno Smith, and you've got Jimmy Garoppolo, and by the way, another one of these top free agent lists come out yesterday, and uh, there again is Geno at five. Yeah. And Jimmy G's like in the 20s. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly right? a better player at this stage in his career based on what he just did. Um, so I don't know. Let, let's play the scenario through. Maybe maybe he does move on. Maybe he does sign with Tampa because of Dave Canales. 
We've been talking about other ideas at quarterback, and we've brought up certainly, you know, the draft, and we've talked about Lamar Jackson this week, and we've talked about Drew Locke and sort of a cheaper deal to try to build elsewhere. Let me throw one other name at you, and I'm curious if you would be intrigued. Here's Jeff Darlington saying there may be another quarterback available. I think the Bears are going to have to step back and evaluate what kind of compensation that they would get for that first overall pick. And maybe it is a haul. Maybe the Colts are willing to give that up. But if they're not, and they can also get compensation in a trade for Justin Fields, and then they can look at it and say, man, we're actually getting Bryce Young restarting the clock on a rookie. Justin Fields is entering the third year of a four-year deal. Uh, Look, I just think that there's a lot of hard questions here that the Bears have to answer. And that's why they have these months leading up to the draft to do exactly that. Would you want to trade for Justin Fields? And let's take that a step further in Jason Lockenfora from CBS saying that uh, a lot of the buzz around the Senior Bowl from NFL GMs was that Justin Fields can be and may be available to you. So kind of put those two things together. Are, are you talking about the Seahawks going from five to one? No. Are you, are you talking? To, no. No, I'm talking that, about. That's not. No, I'm talking about the Seahawks trading for Fields. It's pretty intriguing to me, man. Really? It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, if Gino walks out the door, right? If Tampa's going to pay Gino, you know, $40 million and give him $90 million guaranteed and whatever, that's. What do you have to that, give up for that? The 20 pick? I, I mean, I can't know, imagine they could ask for the number five pick for that. I mean, two only two years left on the deal, et cetera. I don't know. That that would seem. Two years and an option. I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yes. May, maybe they do say, all right, give us the number five pick. We'll give you Justin Fields. They end up with one and five. The guy has just been beat to heck in Chicago for two years. Coming out of Ohio State, I liked him. Mm-hmm. I liked him quite a bit. Me too. You know how many times he was, you know times he was sacked last year? I know. Same as Russell and Wilson. He ran around 50. a lot. Five times I know, last year. But his team was terrible, and he's a super talented dude. Throws the I mean, when he came out, he wasn't even supposed to run much. It was like, oh, no, he's more of a pocket guy. And then last year, he ran for like 900 yards. No, he can he can run. Can he see? Can he see it? Right. Mm. That, that that's I think some of the some of the question. That's where a Gino sees it, has anticipation, has a little bit more accuracy. He had no help around him. He got beat to heck. <laughs> that's yeah i mean if we're if you're dealing with doomsday you got to put everything out there absolutely right? you deal with all the variables yep and yeah I, I i think everything for john schneider who joins this station today at four has to be on the table as they evaluate this need to know 15 minutes past every hour with brock and salk here's what you need to know up first. The pitchers and catchers have reported, but unfortunately that wasn't the big story out of Peoria yesterday. Outfielder Taylor Trammell going to have surgery to repair a broken hammock bone in his right wrist. Was hitting a workout just before coming down to spring training, so that's going to keep him out for a while. Honestly, just based on what I've seen with hammock bones in the past, probably will impact him even after he returns, and I don't know how much I'd expect out of Taylor Trammell this year. Now, it also does mean that Jared Kelnick has a little bit less competition for the left-handed side of that platoon. I expected him to win the job anyway, but this clears it even more so. Now, Cade Marlowe, who we talked a little bit about last year as he was nearly called up for the uh, playoff roster, this gives him a few more at-bats in spring training also. It does. I I would say in some ways, other than Jared, he's the biggest beneficiary. You know the role that A.J. Pollock is going to have in left field. You know there's going to be a platoon and at least going in, in, in those meetings that, that will begin here soon, Scott could say, hey, listen, 
you know, your play is going to earn you these at-bats, this opportunity. And for Trammell, he was going to be a part of that competition. And what a bummer. Just a bummer for him. For he's a good too. Yeah, he's a guy that just they, they seem to – everybody really enjoys that he's handled his demotions well. And he's been up and down a little bit. And, gosh, every time that he is up, you feel just the pulse of a lot of people rooting for him. Like, I, I want to see that guy do well. And as you said, that that bones what hand wrist area? That's just a that's it's a bad. The, the outside, I think it's on the outside of your wrist. I think that's what Griffey broke when he jumped into the center field wall. Yeah, hammer, that, hammer bones are no good. That's a we no talk good. a lot about the pitchers reporting, but catchers did as well. One of them, Tom Murphy, was maybe a forgotten figure on this team after missing most of last year with the injury. He joined Wyman and Bob yesterday and said he's ready to go. Yeah, no, I feel hundred percent. I honestly like uh, started swinging around November. That was about five months post off for me, and. Uh, you know, it literally took me one swing to not think about it ever again. So it was like yeah, everything felt exactly how it should be going forward throughout the whole pr- progression. There was no issues, no setbacks, no nothing like that. So I couldn't be more confident with where my shoulder is right now. The, the surgeon did a great job, and my PTs around me did a great job as well. Pretty darn cool. One of the guys who will be throwing to him is Robbie Ray, and he will join us coming up in about 15 minutes. Here's the second thing you need to know. Seahawks quarterback coach Dave Canales is off to Tampa Bay, according to reports yesterday, to become their offensive coordinator. He was the longest standing member of the Pete Carroll coaching staff. He's filled a number of roles here over the years. But will it have an impact on the negotiations with Geno Smith? Tampa needs a quarterback. Brady retired. Geno's from Florida presumably has a strong relationship with Canales. Certainly they tweet about each other a lot. And in a league where relationships matter, is that enough? Where advocates do matter, where I need somebody that I believe in, that I've got history and that I've got background with, especially when Dave Canales has worn a lot of hats, Mike, but he's not been a play caller. So this will be his first time thrown right into the fire. Todd Bowles down there in Tampa's got to win. There is one little restriction as far as all of that leverage goes that we talked about, and that is the fact that Tampa, as we sit here today, is 50-plus million over the cap. Will be some relief with Tom Brady. They absolutely have a need for quarterback. Kyle Trask, the only quarterback on the roster there in Tampa Bay. But, yeah, just adds a little bit more fuel to the intrigue fire with Geno Smith. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know if this means Geno's gone, but at the very least is leverage for him, and it might mean that the Seahawks better keep looking to make sure they've got some other plans in place. Here's the third thing you need to know. Rough rough week to be a remaining member of the Pac-12. TV rights negotiations are going nowhere fast. Conference reportedly looking at second-tier replacements like San Diego State and SMU. And now, Brock, Ohio State is canceling its home-and-home with UW. Set to begin, what, in 2024 here in Seattle. I understand the reasoning. They don't want an additional trip out west after having to go to either USC or UCLA. But the effect? Another just brutal blow to the remaining programs just trying to be relevant here in, in, in the Pac-12. I just stinks. It just totally, totally reeks. You're going to have to ask G about this tomorrow. Why is Ohio State got to back out, G? I know that they got a half a million dollars. That was, they, they paid a cancellation fee, so there at least was some significant coin going into the coffers, but that's a bummer. I mean, you'd love to see these games, just like Washington, Michigan State last year. They'll go to East Lansing this year. That's what you want. You want big-time Big time, you know, rivalry games or big time opportunities. But now, so does here, Ohio State. Well, here's the deal: Ohio State saying, "Why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Especially when we had USC and UCLA. Why, why are we doing what Alabama's not doing? Georgia's not doing. Alabama going playing out west at Oregon or Washington. Georgia heading out west, playing up. No, they're not. 
And why would we want to do that from a competitive standpoint on top of adding U- U- USC and UCLA? Not all bad news, though, by the way. Mike Hopkins, big win last night. 72-71 in nice. overtime over the Oregon Ducks. Oh, good win That's all for the them. Huskies do is they Very just nice. beat the Ducks. It's what they do. Good to hear. Genesis yeah. Open kicks off today. Uh, how about this uh, trio? Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas all playing together. So... Uh, there you go. That's everything you need to know. Uh, you watched uh, the first episode of Full I Swing? I did. Yeah. I, didn't I didn't realize you could watch all eight of them. Oh, yeah. If you wanted to binge that sucker. Yeah. I, I watched like uh, two. I don't know about binging like that. Yeah, it's not for me. I Like one at a time. I don't, I'm not, I don't need all of it at once. Right. I want to kind of space it out. I think that's because we're old. Yeah, old, old <laughs> kids. Old, yeah. I think that's probably, you know, yeah, I just want to enjoy yeah. it. Can I just enjoy it? It was good, man. It is, I think you and I were on the exact same page. Just give me more and more background. Mm-hmm. I don't need the golf. I've watched the golf. Give me the background. Give me the relationships. Give me the workouts. Yeah. Give me the fun. Give me the the accommodations. Give me the family. Give me all the stuff behind the scenes. But I get it, right? Having watched the Formula One show without knowing anything about Formula One, I needed all the racing stuff True. in order to show me what happened. True. And I know they're trying to, this isn't just for golf fans. They're trying to expand the audience. Yep. So, you know, showing Mito Pereira choke at the at the PGA last year and mm-hmm. Justin Thomas come back to win it is a is a big thing. And a great, they set up an interesting storyline with Jordan and, and Justin. I don't know if it was really how things went, right? But they were trying to show, like, one guy won early, and then another guy came back late. I don't know. I like yeah. to see the two of those guys having fun together. That was kind of yeah. fun. Best men I, in each other's wedding. Yeah, I will say, those guys, workout-wise, mm-hmm. a little, little bit more than old mm-hmm. Jack Nicholas. Now, Gary Player did his push-ups and sit-ups every day. Every day. Uh, every day. And still does, probably. But uh, Arnie and Jack and those guys in that day were not doing, you know, te- just technologically and just watching some of their plyometrics and their balance and uh, a lot of core, a lot of stretching, a lot of PT. Do you like the uh, stuff with uh, Justin Thomas's dad? I did. That's yeah. right up your alley. I oh, like that, so, too. It was pretty cool, him talking so about how hard his dad had been on him. And yep. Anyway, if you get an opportunity and you like golf at all, or if you like the F1 series or anything like that, it's pretty cool behind the scenes. It's called uh, Full Swing, and it's on Netflix. All right, coming up next, uh, a guy who, by all accounts, is in that same category, Brock, of getting after it in the weight room this offseason, Robbie Ray. He's won a Cy Young Award. He's got one season under his belt here in Seattle, and he will join us next. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. As we wait on Robbie Ray, a former Cy Young Award winner. He's now a, a year under his belt here in Seattle, and he will join us uh, in just a couple of minutes from spring training uh, where the uh, pitchers and catchers have their first formal workout today, which is pretty cool. Uh, wrote a little bit about those Mariners uh, this morning. Brock, you can read it, seattlesports.com. Some of what we talked about yesterday with just the, the varied nature of this rotation, and uh, I, I did some fuzzy math. I did some very fuzzy math Uh-oh. to prove that the Mariners are going to win 95 games Uh-oh. this year. Oh, Did you reach out to your buddies from Zips? No, I, no I didn't need to do any of that. What's I, his name? Huh? My guy, Dan Simborski. No. Dan Simborski. I did, I, did some, I did some fuzzy math, and I think I proved that the Mariners are going to win at least 95 games this year. So uh, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Aren't you in? I'll, I'll take 95. 95. Yeah, sure. sign up for that right now. Robbie Ray joining us right now from Peoria. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? We're doing great. I heard uh, I heard a rumor, and I, I can't confirm this, but I heard a rumor that you were the early leader for best shape of his career. Mm. Is that true? Mm. Is that you this year? Are you going to be the best shape of his career guy? I feel I feel pretty good. I feel uh, 
I feel like I made some big strides this off season and and got into some pretty good shape. So it's it's possible. Well, talk to us. Talk to us, Robbie. You're t- you're talking to two guys that are workout warriors. I mean, wait till you see Salk in person. Stop you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's. Not I true. can tell if this guy likes new routines, and he'll he'll be on the pull up bar. He'll be on the elliptical after Jerry. Stop the it. guy is nonstop. So give us a little give us a little taste. Was this was this a new little routine? New trainer? Kind of just new stage, or just going back to some things that you've done in the past? Yeah, so I, I kind of continued uh, what I've done the past couple of years, uh, uh, you know, working out twice a day. Um, I kind of ramped up the cardio a little bit more um, than I normally would this early. Uh, and then um, just kind of cleaned up the eating a little bit, just trying to eat, uh, eat a little better, not so much fast food, cooking more meals at home. My wife is really good at doing that. So uh, just kind of leaned on her and had her cook some more meals at home and stopped eating, stopped eating out so much. It's mm. such a, you know, how, how old are you this year? 31. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That, yeah. That's right about there. Yeah. Got to avoid that walleye yeah. sandwich of Culver's. <laughs> <laughs> got to avoid that sucker. Yeah, yeah, that's right around 31. You got to start uh, doing that. Hey, how would you describe last year for you? Uh, you know, there were some really positive things and then some things that, you know, came to light that were, you know, I felt like I made some adjustments uh, and I felt like I did a really good, a good job of making in-game adjustments and making, you know, mid-season adjustments and really turning some things around. Obviously earlier in the year, um, I had some trouble, you know, it was like that one inning, it seemed like it always killed me. And uh, I felt like, you know, as the, the, the season went on, I was able to kind of limit that one inning and, and kind of nail some things down. And, um, but yeah, I think for overall, you know, it was kind of a year of, you know, just seeing how adaptable I was able to be. Uh, Robbie Ray with us, former Cy Young Award winner. Pretty fun. Nice and early there in Peoria and early into camp. I'm curious, Robbie, just, just from a pitcher's perspective, I I didn't play that position. Um, well, I did when I was younger and I loved it. And you and I have something in common. We both threw a perfecto. I did it versus the North Hill Hillbillies. You did in high school. Oh, I think nice. versus Centennial or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I am curious, do you go back like a lot of, I don't know, quarterbacks, head coaches, and relive and think through games, plays, sequences? Or is once that season done, it is flushed, and I am all moving ahead to, to what's to come? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of both. I think, you know, there's always a time of reflection and and looking back on, you know, how things went. <clears throat> some changes that need to be made um and you know looking back and seeing you know what did i do good what 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 do i need to work on um but i i also think that you know um you know i tell guys all the time like you're you're not going to do what you did last year because you're not the same pitcher because you you put those miles on your body on your arm you know everything you're going to be a different pitcher it just it's just the way it's going to be you know it's you just got to find that consistency in what it's going to be this year. And, and so I think for me, it's a little bit of both of looking back, but also, you know, finding out who I'm going to be this year. You mentioned that adaptability and, and obviously, you know, you add this two seamer in the middle of the season, which none of us knew you through and all of a sudden it became part of your repertoire. Are we going to see more of that? Is that something you worked on specifically this off season to now be more of a three pitch pitcher? What, what should we expect? I, I'm not going to give too much away, but I'm going to say that I have been working on some stuff. Oh. Could there be another new pitch? 
Uh, like I said, I'm not going to give it away, but there could right. be. Let me let me be more pointed. Are you now going to be a knuckleball pitcher? <laughs> that I can tell you, I will not be. Okay. All right. So let's I'm not get, at that point in my career. Yeah. Not yet. No, you got about seven or eight more years, and all of a sudden you start throwing the, the knuckleball. All right. Uh, so Scott gave you the first words after you guys clinched. We, we've watched that clip of you guys in the clubhouse together, and you know Julio accidentally pops the champagne and all that, and and he turns to you. Why you? Uh, me and me and Scott, we developed a really good relationship. Uh, it's it's open back and forth. There's communication constantly, and you know he he puts that trust into me, and I and I trust him as well. And so I think for me, you know, that that last week of the season, we were kind of leaning on each other uh, a lot, and um, you know, for us to to be in that moment, it kind of was uh, it was special for me for him to to allow me to do that. Robbie, is that characteristic of a partnership? Because that's a term oh, that's been used, not just player coach, manager coach, but it's really, you know, you get to, to your level and it becomes much more of a partnership. Was that emblematic of it? Absolutely. I, I think that's the perfect word for it. As a pitcher, you know, I know as a starter, it's not normal to, you know, lead a team, address a team, et cetera. But when I see you in that spot, it, it makes me wonder, is that is that a, a leadership role that you've stepped up into at times? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me, I'm at the point in my career where, you know, being that leader, being that guy that, you know, guys can come and talk to and ask questions and hopefully I'll have the answers to them. Uh, I, I feel like I'm kind of at that point in my my career, my life, that, that I am able to answer those questions that, I, you know, maybe I used to have when I was, you know, first coming up. You, you know, I got to ask you about this, and, and I hate to go back to what I'm sure was a, a challenging time, but, you know, for the first time we talked to you since last year and, and what happened in the playoffs. Take me back. You come into the game as a reliever. You're facing Jordan Alvarez. What happened? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me, we talked about leaning on the fastball, trying to run a, a two-seam up and in under his hands, and, you know, it, you know it happens uh, you, you you miss your spot and game's over you know it's it's something that you know i'm not used to being in that situation obviously being a starter uh so it was it was a little tough for me to deal with and but i you know had a great group of guys around me that just helped me kind of process that and um but yeah i mean it's it, it gets magnified because it's playoffs but uh you know guys miss their spots guys hit walk off homers all year and so, like, for me, it was just like it, it, it was uh, it was kind of eye opening to see, you know, what a, a reliever, what a closer kind of hmm. has to go through on a day in, day out basis. Is it hard getting that last out of a game? I mean, do you feel a different level of pressure or sort of a different atmosphere in the game? Uh, there's definitely a different atmosphere, uh, but I didn't feel any more pressure than I would just you know, being in the uh, starting a game. So I, I don't know if there's any more pressure, but the atmosphere is definitely different. <laughs> Rob, we appreciate you getting up. Uh, and I, I know this is, is this before cardio time? What, what is today? Today is Thursday. <laughs> what, what's, what's our two a day on Thursday? Uh, I just rolled in today, uh, so I'm not I'm not too positive what I'm going to get doing today. <laughs> nice. Uh, can we have a little fun on the flip side of that moment? Um, is that leadership and is a pitching staff that that Mike wrote about this morning and and is diversified and I call it kind of Baskin Robbins. You got a bunch of different flavors, a bunch of different styles here as well. Can we just do a little word association or the first thing that pops in your mind? When I bring up some of these uh, guys in the rotation that you share with, when I bring up George Kirby, 
first thing that comes to Robbie Ray's mind is? Uh, you know, what's funny is um, I had given him the nickname Vector because he reminds me so much of the, the Despicable Me character, Vector, <laughs> the guy that has, like, the bowl cut and kind of walks around with the fanny, fanny pack. So uh, he that's his nickname that I gave him. Could he Ooh, be like the that. star of, like, a 1950s, like, sitcom? Yes, okay, 100%. Good. Yeah, like a 1950s detective or something, uh-huh. the clean-cut guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about Logan Gilbert? Oh, uh, he's just a goober. I, I, I mean, everything about him, everything, uh, you know, the way he walks around, the way he, he has this, like, you know, fake tough guy walking around look that he has. Uh, it's He's just a goober. Okay. Oh, this is perfect. Fake Why don't we guy. start with this? I like yeah. this. Okay. Uh, Salt's guy, Luis Castillo. Oof. Uh, I mean, his nickname is La Piedra, the stone, the rock. I mean, that's kind of, uh, you know, to me, he, but what people don't know about him is he's a really funny guy too. And he likes to have fun. I think, you know, what you see out on the field is, uh, you, you see zero emotion and, and he, like, it doesn't matter what situation he's in, he's in, you, you don't get anything out of him. And then, you know, the next four days, he's just cutting jokes and he's laughing and having fun. Like, so I think, you know, that side of him, not everybody gets to see. You get that nickname because of how well built he is. I think how, how well built he is and how well he pitches. All right. And, you know, he's just solid. Like you, you're just getting, you know what you're getting when he goes out there. Okay. Final two fellas. Flexing. Flexing. He's a, to, to me, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is he, he calls himself a hobbyist. He's kind of good at everything. He does ping pong, pickleball. He, he kind of does, he does it all. Uh, so that, that's the first thing that comes to mind. He kind of runs the clubhouse in ping pong. So, uh, See that? Yeah, I had heard that was Terenz's uh, spot, so I guess maybe that's why Luis was not around anymore. He was challenging too much. The All right, I get it. Nobody could beat that guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How and about Marco? The yeah, the Gonzaga guy. How about Marco? Uh, what was it that Skip called him? Very boring and not sexy. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, we still joke about that all the time. Uh, so I, I think for me, it's. Uh, Again, you know, this is a great group of guys that uh, we all like to have fun together and we joke around, we cut up, but, you know, we, we learn from each other and we, we build off each other. Marco's right there in the thick of it, helping out, helping out guys. And, um, you know, it, it he's a man, he's a, a great leader. He, he, uh, he knows who he is, I think is the biggest thing. He knows what he has and he knows how to use it. And I think that that's uh, a pretty pretty special talent. I got to throw one more guy at you. While Brock's going through all the pitchers, we got to also throw Cal Raleigh at you. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Cal? Uh, the, I, I started calling him the savior of Seattle because of that walk-off home run he hit and that, that took us to – uh, took us to playoffs, but you know, obviously his nickname's Big Dumper. Everybody knows that. Of course. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, the the two things that come to mind for sure. 
Did you ever have to say to him, why don't you take it down a notch? Like I can imagine just as you rolled through all these guys and you are the leader, you are the partner in that organization. You know, you've been there and done that in a number of different spots and you've got a lot of, a lot of young guys that, that do look to you. Big Dumper just strikes me on occasion as maybe like, Hey dude, can you just take it down? Can you just turn down the intensity a little bit? He's also, he's, he, he honestly, he does a good job at, at doing that. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he can, he can regulate and, uh, man, what he's done with the starting staff is, was pretty special last year. Just being able to, to carry us all through that. And, uh, just super proud of him and the year he had last year. Who's smarter, Cal Raleigh or Logan Gilbert? Oh man, that's. I don't know if I can answer that question. I was just trying to see if we could drive a wedge between them. I, I, I'm, I'm told. Yeah, that, let's not. No. <laughs> I'm told that Cal's pretty hard on uh, on Logan, so I was hoping maybe we could we could maybe you know drive a little wedge there. Logan got very hard beef. on Logan. He is. He. It's like a. It's like a big brother, little brother kind of thing. <laughs> yep. But then little brother went and got married, moved out, I and know. he's got a beautiful he wife. Did, so yeah. there you go, Cal. Hey, Take Robbie, that. thank you. Uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes. We're excited. We'll be down there, uh, not next week, but the week after. We'll look forward to coming over and saying hi. You'll catch me doing the pull-ups. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, congrats uh, on being here for a year, and we'll look forward to talking to you again this year. Yeah, thanks. Sounds good. All right, there you go. Thanks, there Robbie. is Robbie Ray. Uh, and some great insight, Brock, into, uh, into his uh, friends in the Mariners' rotation. I'm sure they I'm sure they love Vector and Goober and the rest of it coming out. <laughs> As it should be though, isn't that exactly what you're well, looking for out so, of a, a pitching staff? You know, you know what's it's funny, gonna be man? together for a second season? You and I get so like gosh, maybe as we get older we won't be quite so serious schmaltzy i don't know like we love culture we love this stuff right we love the inner workings of these teams but i hope that that's a window in to pe for poor people that if you really want to know the good stuff if you really want to know like the secret sauce of teams and and when it is going it's when you can make fun of one another right when you joke with one another when you've got that glue that actual like real bond just like your work environment whether you're a teacher right now and you listen to that going oh yeah yeah i know fred over there science teacher he's a goober <laughs> right or, you say that brock because how can i have something for you today oh yeah don't worry that's coming up a little bit later oh, we, we've great. got we got a little grief for you oh, how good. you're trying to sabotage the show Oh, nice. We didn't realize it until Mora went back and actually dug in, but yes, okay, we'll we'll do that a little later. Right now, we'll ask you three very serious football questions. This is Brock and Sox Blue Eighty Eight. Blue Eighty Eight. Blue Eighty Eight. We take you to the field as Brock Ewart breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Sox. <laughs> You might as well just pull that sound of him calling uh, Logan Gilbert a goober because when we go down and talk to Logan here in a couple weeks, I'm sure Brock is going to want to play that for him. Are you, for the second time in two stories, going to have to rewrite your article now? Now that you can talk about this pitching staff, look how much more you get at it. No, I got I got boring, not sexy. I got right. the hobbyist. I got the goober. I got vector. We like, might not can... be able to play that sound for Logan because Brock will do the entire interview about his marriage. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Might have to do that early before Brock gets in. Maybe do the Logan Gilbert interview <laughs> myself. All right. Question number one for you, Brock. Who is the one Seahawk that better be right where we were just talking about with Robbie Ray? When I said yep. Robbie is the off-season workout king, who... Uh, who needs to be that for the Seahawks? This yeah, year? you know who I'm not going to give a lot of grace to. I'm kind of done with, like done giving the grace, done giving the feel bad, done for the oh, he's just Jamal Adams. 
You better be here in April, man. You better be at the front of the line. You better be wearing the T-shirt of came in the best shape of my life. You better be the, the Robbie Ray working out twice a day, taking care of my body in ways that I never have before. His body has been beaten up. There's no question about it. I'll give him grace for that. You know, he has sacrificed his bodies. He's got fused fingers. He's got torn tendons. He's got blown labrums. The dude on the field is a warrior. But just looking at those cap numbers, just a reminder of the commitment they made to him. Right, as we get around this draft, the commitment they made of two first-round picks to him. And on the flip side of that, there's been very little return on investment. There was the first half of the first season, and there were a bunch of sacks, but there has just not been the return on investment. They can't cut him. I don't think they want to eat whatever it is, $50 million divided over two years. I think they want to get whatever they can out of him, and I sure hope, Jamal, this isn't one of those, well, he's just working out at home. Oh, he's just, he's just training at home. Oh, he's just doing his rehab at home. Well, we'll see him in August. I hope he's in, I hope he's here in April, and I hope he and Quandre are at the front of the line of the real leadership position, the real opportunity they have pushing into 2023. All right, question number two. As we talk more and more about the cap, eventually there will be guys who will be cut around this league uh, as you look through potential cap casualties who stands out as yeah. being potential Seahawks. Yeah, I'll give you two. Um, one of them comes from a position of strength in the draft. And then one of them comes from a position of weakness in this upcoming draft. So as you kind of look to put your team together and think, okay, where where can I get a starter? Where can I get a difference maker? Going to be maybe a little harder in the interior offensive line. And that's why I mentioned maybe trading for a Mitch Morris or trading for somebody. That's where you feel the loss of Creed Humphrey, mm-hmm. right? A guy that is just a cornerstone piece right in the middle for Kansas City. Andrus Pete, big boy powerful guy been on one of the best offensive lines in the game in new orleans new orleans cap purgatory gonna have to cut guys more than likely will be a cap casualty a little bit banged up now a little like gabe jackson a little bit banged up you're getting him on the second half but that's a big powerful interior guy that i'm gonna keep an eye on from a cap casualty standpoint the other guy is familiar the other guy played in seattle the other guy's got west coast background and has been a playmaker and has still been a playmaker, and that's Shaq Thompson, linebacker for Carolina. Again, played on a very good defense, super explosive. Is he what he was when he was 23 athletically? No, as Robbie Ray just said to you, you're never the same player when you got mileage on you. Is he still a difference maker at that second level? Is he a guy whose cap number is grow- is going to grow to the point they're going to have to probably cut him or restructure him? I'd keep an eye on Shaq Thompson if I'm a Seahawk fan. All right, question number three. Ohio State decides not to come to do their home and home with the Huskies. They did give them five hundred grand yeah. for backing out. Why? What did G? What was G. Scott yelling in the hallway out there? He was yelling at somebody. He was yelling at anybody who could listen. Morris said <laughs> about these Buckeyes. Yeah, I think it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to number one: UC, USC and UCLA join the Big Ten. That is the West Coast presence. They're going to make a trip out there. You know that they're going to put Ohio State and USC, however they structure. The, the, the league to make sure those teams play each other every year. And so they're going to already, A, be going out west, and then B, just from a competitive advantage standpoint, looking at it going, why? Why? Why, why are we doing this? When Alabama and Georgia and these teams that are in the title game and in the playoff year after year, they're not. They're not heading three time zones to go play. No, no, here you go, Washington. Here's that 500 grand, and, and we can at least say face and say, well, I mean, when we made the deal, we didn't know that USC and UCLA would be coming mm-hmm. to the conference. So there's a little way to, to save face. I don't like it. It reeks. It stinks. 
Uh, Damon actually played. We played a home-and-home home with the Buckeyes in the 90s. <laughs> uh, Napoleon Kaufman ran all over them in Husky Stadium, and then we went out and got pounded by Big Daddy Wilkinson and those guys, Eddie George. And, wow. Uh, Big they were, Daddy. Uh, yeah, they One were. the all-time busts. Yeah, they were, they were pretty pretty good. Right? Uh, he went to Washington, right, and was just a total bust? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he was a total, total bust. Hainsworth maybe a little more after he got paid. A little more bust, but wasn't Big Daddy a bust as a draft pick, or did he? he could, get yeah, like, yeah, he could have been. Yeah, wasn't he, he a top two pick? Yeah, he was way up there. Yes, he didn't live up to that expectation no. by no means. But in college, yeah, he was, he was Big Daddy. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. All right, there you go. That is three good football questions for Brock Blue eighty eight. We do that uh, every single Whoa. morning at seven forty five. Call me Block. Sorry, speaking. <laughs> well, I was uh, thinking ahead. I was putting yeah. Brock and Blue eighty eight together. Sorry okay. about that. But right. uh, if you like those questions. Just imagine the questions that will be asked at 4 o'clock today during the debut of the John Schneider Show. Mm. Wyman and Bob talking Mm. to John Schneider starting today, every Thursday at 4 o'clock between now and the first round of the NFL draft. Going to have to be great questions for John today. Mm -hmm. Okay, how am I sabotaging the show? Let's go. You want to hear about it? I do. We have time? Yeah, I think we've got a little time. So you may remember. I don't. That last week... We talked to KJ Wright and KJ was the one person of anybody around here who was all in on the chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Mm. I thought it was going to be a close game. Pick the, pick the, pick the Eagles. You said no. And when KJ Eagles, but Brock went extra hard. Exactly. Good. Let me turn my camera How beat on. up hold they on, are. Hold on. Yeah, let's listen. Do you right know on. how depleted Kansas City is? How beat up they are? <laughs> don't you remember that Super Bowl when you lost Jeremy Lane and you lost Cliff? And don't you remember what that was like when you are a, a little bit of a beat up team versus the year before when you were flying high, healthy? You mm-hmm. couldn't wait to play. Philadelphia can't wait. Philadelphia wanted to play last night. And Kansas City's got to try to get there, man. They try to try to get healthy. Patrick's trying to get healthy. I mean, this this so, this line of scrimmage ain't close in this matchup, KJ. Mm. So if you know that as Andy Reid and as the play caller, what do you do, Brock? If you know your offensive line can handle this pass, or if you know that it's going to be a struggle, you have got to find creative ways, in particular with Isaiah Pacheco, to get him going. Mm. I know that the Chiefs don't want to run the ball. I know that's not their philosophy, but if you know that you are depleted on the offensive line, you have got to find ways to keep wow. his defensive line under. So I need you. him to get him the ball 15 to 20 times a Dude. game. Get him going. Get him with some screens, some draws. Because he went partner. on to say how much he trusts Andy hey, Reid. I'm a partner. I'm a but partner. Then, but then See what I did? What did? I set him up for success. Yeah, but let me hear you how this you set up you... A, for not, the opposite of success. Partner. Listen. Have me on next week when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. You guys that I was right. Well, I'll game. tell you what, if the Chiefs win, you don't have to come on. If Philly wins, <laughs> you are booked for oh. this time next Wednesday. Wow. Deal? Mm. What's the matter with you? KJ Wright says he <laughs> wants to come on the show, and you're like, no, you okay. shouldn't if they win. You call talked him. him out of it. You call s- him? I'm not calling him. You're I'll the call one who, who owes All him right. a call. I'll call him you're right now. Who, you're the one who talked him out of coming well, on our a, show. I have you want a me to do this live? I'll do it live. No, you don't need to. Here, listen. Here you go. This is from KJ to you. Put some respect on my intellect. That's right. <laughs> you denied Fine. his intellect. Fine. And then and and then you told him not to come on what our show. Today? Today's Thursday. Today's Thursday. <laughs> is he skiing today? No, that was yesterday. <laughs>
I'll tell you what, you made up for it because you sent me something yesterday that got my wheels turning. I'll read it back to you next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com.